This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Nothing can replace the pleasure of turning the pages of the printed book. Join us now as we explore our city's rich literary heritage, talking with people who are passionate about the printed word and celebrating the Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute's fascinating local history. Welcome to Wireless Books. Welcome everyone, all two of you. Thanks, Christine's family. And welcome, Christine, head librarian. And oh, I'm chef. sorry to hear that none of your family listen, Beth. <laughs> you know they've disowned me, Christine. Don't be cruel. There's a book in that. <laughs> anyway, welcome to another edition of Wireless Books, brought to you from the lovely studio that is Otago Access Radio or Otago Access Media. Mm-hmm. Um, and on behalf and for the Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute, now it is nearly Christmas, so I implore you, bookophiles, you lover of the printed word or illustrations, it is time to get yourself a lovely early Christmas present or someone who you totally adore a lovely Christmas present or a non-Christmas present uh, by a subscription, a yearly subscription to the library, $69 including GST per year. And look, that price has not gone up for years. No. Inflation has gone up. Your supermarket shopping's going up. But the, not the mm. Athenaeum librarian fees. No, we're here for everyone. Well, that's good. Actually, thank you. Uh, you just reminded me, next month there's going to be a Heritage Festival as long as we stay at Level 2, which mm. touch wood. Touch wood. And the library is going to be part of it. It's from the 19th, which is the Friday, to the 21st, which is the Sunday of November. And on the 20th of November, the Saturday, the library will be open on the Saturday from 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock. And people are welcome to come and have a look around. And and I will be there and I can t- tell you every exciting detail that you're you're. you're Questioning mind comes up with. Well, now that is what. Now, can we come in on the Saturday and swap books? Yes, definitely. It's going to be a working library. (laughs) Well, I I thought, well, if we're going to be open, if members want to to saunter in, they are more than welcome. Saunter on, I say. I will be. It will be the one time that I'll be uh, coming into the library. Only to show my support for getting up into the 21st century and opening on some part of a Saturday. Call me rebellious ahead of my time. I know, I know. Or behind of it, but because there. we used to be open <laughs> yes, then. Yes, we Call you old-fashioned instead. <laughs> you no, want to return to old-fashioned values. Yes, that's the one. That's the one. Now, oh, haven't pressed the timer. Oh, right. dear, Remember, we're, we're in trouble, oh, aren't dear. we? I've got it. I've got my eye on it. Rightio. Now, last time we were talking about the early history of the Athenaeum in, in relation to a family. Yes, um, the Longslands, is that right? Yeah, um, uh, Langlands. Oh, now, sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Can't read your printing. No, fair <laughs> enough. Um, and I was thinking, there's f- 
in Jim's book, there's a section, and I'm going to read it. Sorry, it's going to take a little while. It's about a page and a half. It's just about the importance of the first Athenaeum building to Dunedin and how when things changed, um, the how the things changed for that building, which is quite amusing, and how people uh, responded. So... The two-year-old building was already in need of maintenance at a rent of £50 and in all other respects under the same arrangements as at the present. The building will be put through repair put into a thorough repair, reshingled and the porch enclosed forthwith. But any furnishings or setting up must be provided by the government at their own expense and any railing or enclosure within the public room will require to be fixed as to be easily removed if required. Uh, yes, the other name is very firm. In his novel of the Goldfield, Tom Hungerford, William Baldwin, who was an Athenaeum committee member in the 1880s and after whom Baldwin Street, the world's steepest, is named. Well, thank goodness we got that title back. Otherwise, we'd have to send all these books back for a reprint. (laughs) Ah, just right on the margin. (laughs) Drew, on his own experience as a provincial councillor, to use the building as a setting for a visit made by his hero. And he quotes from this book. Having nothing better to do, Tom strolled down to the council one evening to hear what was going on there. The place and the proceedings, however, were unimpressive and and uninstructive to the last degree. He had his own idea as to the appearance of deliberation building bodies and to his mind it seemed naturally to follow in the fitness of things that those who sat in high places should have about them something of the world's pomp and outward show in their surroundings. But there was certainly no pomp nor show nor comfort either. For the matter of that in the room he entered, nor did the man who accompanied who occupied it bear about them in their looks anything in the way of statesmanlike dignity. Well, that's very cutting. It's about one of the most cheerless, miserable-looking rooms he had ever come across, and sitting there listening to what was going on for any length of time, the most dreary work imaginable. This is a person who actually sat in the council. Gosh. By March 1855, the provincial government was demanding that the Mechanics Institute Committee carry out repairs, and if this was not immediately done, the provincial government would order the repairs to be done at the expense of the Mechanics Institute. The building was never ideal for all this activity, and by 1857, the colonists regarded it as too small and as a place not much larger than the Black Hole of Calcutta. Nobody (laughs) seems to like it. In 1860, it became the office of the Oriental Bank, with which Captain Cargill had had close associations before he came to New Zealand, and his son was to become the bank's managing director. The Otago Provincial Council used the bank's London branch, and there was considerable pressure in Otago for the bank to set up in Dunedin to give the Union Bank some competition. The tenancy of £200 which um, Jim's translated as um, $22,000 a year, was only a short one as the Bank of New South Wales took over the Oriental in 1861. A firm of solicitors used the building before it became a reading room only and housed a number of books which for what was called the Public Library Scheme. Perhaps some sort of lending library was being operated, although by now the other name had been established elsewhere. 
By 1863, in the final humiliation, it became a meat market. An anonymous columnist for the Sunday Review in describing the changes taking place in the city was not impressed. At the old jail site, a large stone and iron building stood in its place, and nothing of the old jail remained but a very small portion which which is used as a place of confinement for lunatics and 24-hour sentences... (laughs) That'll be your office then. (laughs) Probably. No, this is the building down in exchange. I did intend making a close observation of the new building, but while looking around it, I was ordered off by an individual with a loaded gun in his hands who was intently watching the operations of a party of men engaged excavating in a high bank of earth opposite the courthouse. The men, all clothed in light-coloured dress, marked in large letters on the back, HMG, with the representation of the head of a barbed spear, something like a harpoon used on board the ship I came out on for sparing purposes. Getting a little tired, I bethought myself of the Mechanics Institute where I could rest and have a comfortable read for a short time. I made sure there was there could be no change here, especially as I could see the outline of the building while taking a look at the works in progress for the levelling of Bell Hill. But judge of my consternation when I found that institution turned into a butcher's shop owned by some company as most of the butcher's shops in Dunedin appear to be. Even the fish have gone into companies, but I suppose it is some new invention brought from Victoria. And that was printed on the 29th of May 1863, which is interesting because the there are the prisoners cutting through mm. Bell Hill so that suddenly the octagons are going to become available. And, yeah, so that the poor old building, which is the one on the back of um, Jim's book with the, the funny roof. So people are sort of... Yeah, I need... Yeah, because I know where Cargill's Monument mm, is now. This is about there. And so it was there. And we're mm. not talking about the Mance Street No, premises. this is the very, yeah. very first one. Yeah, so... And that's amazing... That the first Athenaeum is in, well, I call it the, the the plaza. It's not the plaza in the exchange, but where the lovely bronze penguins are now, mm. and that monument to Cargill. Yeah. That was where the first Athenaeum was. Yeah, well, the, is of course, there a plaque there? I must have a look. There should be a plaque here in Lyeth, the first. Um, home of the Athenaeum. There probably should be, but there mm. isn't. Um, it's just interesting that when it first opened, it was almost immediately not fit for purpose and mm. and people did nothing but complain. But then when the Athenaeum moved on, people started to feel nostalgic for the good old building yeah. where they could, oh, totally. even though they weren't yeah. an, a member, they could nip in for a little rest and do some, some light reading, which is just so, so Dunedin. It is. And I love the picture, uh, well, the illustration of the building. On the, the cover, the back of the cover, it's about two metres away from the harbour with beautiful sailing ships in the harbour, two mm. metres away. And the building looks like an old-fashioned Russian tea room in a botanical gardens. Yeah, it's quite an unusual uh, building. Yes, it's, it's lovely. Funny that they, they built something so... a oddity right from the beginning, really. Wow. Just, I know, it's... Almost, but it's easy to, to pick bring out exotic. Yes, it's easy it's to pick out in photographs, though, which is, makes it very handy. Mm. And when was that first opened? 
1850 something. Um, the early it's founded in 1851, or mm. are we? So it is founded in yeah. 1851. Okay, I love it. Now, uh, I just want to say Jim Sullivan wrote this book uh, for the Athenaeum. It's called Reading Matters, and it's a history of the Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute. And on the little cover here as well, um, Jim says, Reading Matters tells the 162-year story of the institution. Now, this was published in, can you remember, only a few years ago. Oh, gosh, 2013, God. I think, something okay, like that. Okay, so 2013, and at that stage, the Athenaeum was 162 years mm. old then. So... Now, this is proof, as I've always said all along, the Athenaeum is Dunedin's oldest ongoing institution. I think that's fair enough to say, because um, really, we've been there almost from the, the get-go. Exactly. Mm. And when I said that, there was no ringing of bells or jolly thunder or lightning that came with that announcement. So do you know what? We're going to let everyone know exactly about the Athenaeum. Be back in a tick. For more information on the Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute, go to www.dunedinathenaeum.org.nz. That's Dunedin, A T H E N A E U M.org.nz. <sighs> Nostalgia. Yes. Nothing like it. Well, I quite often tell people that um, the building is. Is younger than the library, but the, and the library is only just younger than the city, <laughs> which really confuses them. But so I should I stop like doing it. that. No, well, it's part of being a librarian. You're a riddler. A yeah. riddler. That's right. Riddle me this. Now I've had. Oh no! The latest Nikki Pellegrino, oh. which I know that Beth will adore. It's called "To Italy with Love." <laughs> And I'm groaning, and I love Italy, so that's... Um, well, is that the, the writer who has all the recipes? No, she doesn't do very recipes, though. She has, oh. a, lot of, she has a lot of cooking in her... Oh, that's what I mean. And Same thing. So at the back, she says that this isn't, wasn't the novel she intended to write. She, her, because her, her way of operating is that she goes, to, she goes to Italy and researches, which is... A, as you do. <laughs> well, you know, there's no point in writing about Italy if you don't go to go to Italy and, and eat a lot and, and do a lot of in-depth research. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to start writing Chianti. about Italy. <laughs> <laughs> My original plan involved setting a book in Siena, a town I haven't visited for many decades, and I plan to spend time there soaking up, soaking up, probably right, the atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> but then um, COVID came along. so oh, she, I feel your pain, Nikki. I feel your pain. So she just went back to a, a city that or an area that she'd written about early or recently and you know it's one of the town that she's, she's written about this town before and it's the town where they're selling um, old buildings for a pound mm. and people and then the, the caveat is you have to um, renovate them mm. and so it starts off with one of the people that you're introduced to um, in the original book um, I don't really Asunta? Asunta, yeah. yeah, and she's given up on love, <gasps> just like oh. Beth has. <laughs> <laughs> no, Beth hasn't given up on it; she's found it. <laughs> 
So anyway, Asunta is um, she runs the um, what Trattoria. That's right, the Trattoria, and she's she's in her fifties and she's been running it single handedly for for years and years, and and she's happy enough in her life. It's just trundling along, but somehow she just has failed to find anybody to share her life with, and she's she's fine with that. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, there's an English woman, Sarah Jane, who is a good cook, and she's working for a celebrity chef, and she's in the background. He's they call him a celebrity chef, but he, he's actually a judge in a in a, in a fancy dancy um, cooking competition, and and he also pretend because he's judging other people's cooking, he has to pretend that he can cook himself, but apparently he can't. And Sarah Jane's in the background, providing him with res, recipes and running his website and stuff. And as his business gets bigger and bigger. She sort of is, is kept in the background, and that suits her fine. She's not interested in becoming a celebrity chef herself. And she, she, loves, she loves him. But then suddenly there's more people working for him, and it's harder for her to get hold of him. And the next thing, she's been made redundant, and she's devastated. And he's um, having a baby with his, his PR. So she's doubly devastated so she comes up hatches a plan to get over it by going to Italy with her dog and driving around in a in a convertible with the top down you know as you do yes doing a little um the ballad of Lucy Jordan oh yeah and but anyway the the car breaks down in the, in the town opposite Asunta's restaurant and she has to stay there while the car gets fixed and so she rents one of the little one dollar cottages that's been that's already been fixed up in an earlier book and first of all when she stayed when she first arrived in the town she thought oh yes this is nice but there's not very much here but as the longer she stays the more she grows to love it and well guess what I'll give you I'll give you two guesses Beth I don't need to Exactly. This is it's charming. It's light as a feather. It's like eating meringue. You just you touch it with your with your tongue and it melts away and you're asleep with That's the sweetness. That's candy floss. Meringue should have a crisp outside and a soft, chewy centre. So candy floss. Oh, who's been reading the cooking book? <laughs> Now what this, else, what else, what else? Now this is probably more your style. It's called The Body Lies and it's by Joe Barker. And Baker, she, Joe Baker. Okay, Baker Barker. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about a woman who, she's she got a job in a, in a university in a small town. It's basically out in the countryside. And she's gone away to get away from the city because... Um, a few years earlier, she'd been assaulted viciously, and she just has mm. quite affected her. Mm. So she's um, she's running um, those creative writing course, and one of her students starts giving her chapters from his book. That and it's it's a novel that seems to blur the line between fiction and reality. And she recognises herself as the main character in his book, and he has written her a horrific fate. And so will Ooh. she be able to stop life imitating art before it's too late? I'd better find out, eh? Yes, I think you better. Ooh. Now, this is um, the book that um, Tom Sainsbury, the, he's the man who's best known for impersonating um, Paula, Paula Benefit. Mm. Paula Benefit. Oh, Paula. <laughs> <And> <laughs> you can't say that anymore, Christine. That's a few years ago's joke. It's 
very un-PC now, or un-PB. Okay. <laughs> and he wrote New Zealand is the field guide. And I've read a little bit of it, and it's quite amusing, but I think probably the subtitle should be New Zealand is this not so queer as folk, really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it is quite an amusing, also a very light book. Um, but, yeah. Oh, he's, he's nice a enough. clever boy, isn't he? Does right. impressions, he writes books. He's and comedian. he also acts in Wellington Paranormal. He's um, Oh, I've seen ads for that. Yeah, I haven't watched it, but he's yeah, he's um, multi-talented. It's, very, it's what you need to be when you're in media in this country, isn't it? Yes, you have to duck and weave and yes. um, he's always looking for opportunities yes. and yeah. making them. Yes, you've got a Peter Swanson, a Peter <laughs> Swanson, a Peter Swanson. Every, I'll take it. Every <laughs> vow you break. Now, this is um, about a woman who she's, she's to start with, she seems to be living the dream. She's just got married to a man who's um, an internet billionaire. Which is like solves all her problems. I mean, she had a big student debt, and uh, like about four dates, and he declared his love for her and offered to pay her student debt off. And she didn't jump at it. She was no, no, we don't hardly know each other. Let's just keep dating. So her heart's in the right place, and they do, and they get married. But she probably had a bit of a, a qualm before, and she had a bit of a she had a one night fling on her um her bride's night, oh, her hen's hen night, night. Oh, yes, the notorious hen oh, nights. So anyway, they've got married and they're, they're jetting off to their honeymoon and they're in this, they're going to this place which is um, Heart Pond Island, a friend's exclusive retreat off the main coast. But then once there, she starts to think she's noticed some alarming warning signs about the seemingly idyllic off-grid resort. And she recognises one of their fellow guests as the good-looking stranger who weeks earlier she slept with. And so her perfect new life threatens to come crashing down. So that's that's just your good old Peter Swanson book, I oh, would say. Definitely. Oh, grabby. And we've got time for the last review. Thank uh, you, Christine. Michael Rothham, and it's called When You Are Mine. And it's... It's a book about a, a young woman, Philomena, who is a she's a young policewoman and she's she's talented and um, she should be on the fast track to success. Mm. Except she has an unfortunate family background and that her father's one of London's top gangsters, so that's a, a black mark against mm. her already. And then one night she's called out to domestic and um, there's a young woman who's been badly beaten up and Philomena. So, gets this woman out of danger but unfortunately the person who beat her up is one of the um, a detective in the Met and um, he's got plenty of powerful mm. friends and so she's made an enemy mm. and anyway her and the young girl who is called Temp um, become friends they form a cautious friendship but then is temple she's made out to be. So sometimes she tells stories that don't quite mm. add up, and it's all so. Philomena sort of doesn't know where is she's Arthur or Martha. Oh well, I, it sounds like it. It would be turned into a ripping BBC or ITV um, drama. But I'll read it, and I'll, I'll I'll let the screenwriters know if they've got enough fodder to make a ripping drama. Oh, well, well done. Excellent work. Thank you so much for replenishing.
uh, my book supply again. I loved A Line to Kill, uh, Anthony Horowitz. Mm. It was great. And it actually ended on the next book that, that he'll be bringing out. So it's ended with a bit of a, a question there about yes. um, Tremaine, whatever his name is, forgotten, Trentham or something. Um, and the, A Slow Fire Burning, all you Paula Hawkins fans, uh, if you want a book that is as thrilling again as The Girl on the Train, this is for you. Fabulous. Just Paula Hawkin, you're great. Leanne Moriarty, I look, I've just been so busy. It's quite a heavy tome. Apples Never Fall. I started to read it. Really good um, premise, fabulous writing, wonderful relationships. But, you know, I'm up on my month with it and and I will get it out mm. again. I just really wanted to enjoy that book. And I'd so I didn't, you know, really yeah. want to skim. So there I am being selfless to the other members. You're welcome. <laughs> I'll definitely get it um, out again and really devour it uh, from beginning as well. But no, Leanne Moriarty, she's back on form as well. There you go. It sounds a bit like a racehorse track, doesn't it? <laughs> We're all on form. No one's been scratched. Okay, until next time, everyone. Good news for the publishers. Uh-huh. Oh, coming up to Christmas too. Yes. Hey, happy reading. Yes. The Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute welcomes new members. Enjoy the Athenaeum's quiet, warmly carpeted library and reading room and share in the joy of books, new and old. Visit www.dunedinathenaeum.org.nz for more information or pop into the Athenaeum Library at number 24, The Octagon. The Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute, celebrating Dunedin's rich literary heritage since 1851. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.